feeling chatty, Brad. We came to the right place. A touch chatty. So what are you doing in upstate New York? You hitting the slopes, bro? Uh, well, it's pouring rain right now, so oh, no I guess slopes. not. But we got a little skiing in, yeah. You did, did some ski. Slopes. You skied yesterday. I got in two days so far, yeah. Did you hit the uh, Black Diamonds? I did hit a couple Black Diamonds. That's but... still a thing? I literally know that from like the movie <laughs> Ski School. I was hoping it was still a thing. <laughs> yeah. So you're pretty good up there? You're pretty good on skis? I I can like hold my own. I'm like a sloppy skier. I I was never. I mean, I took my first lesson at like age like 45 or something. You oh, know? Like, okay. I mean, I I learned to ski in high school, but it was literally my buddies took me to the top of the mountain and pointed me down, and by the time I got to the bottom, I could kind of ski. Mm. Like I never had lessons, so it's actually kind of reassuring how late you learn because. Well, no, I mean, I learned how to, I knew how to ski and I've skied like pretty difficult trails, but I've never had good like form or anything. Oh, I see. And so my wife finally made me take some lessons when we were out West, uh, because she didn't want to ski with somebody that looked like they were f- falling down the hill. <laughs> oh, so you were just like wildly like going down the hills. <laughs> I mean, I'm in control. I just don't look, I don't look very elegant, you know? Right. Like, I, I mean, now I do. Now and I'm now better. you do. You look yeah. very elegant. But I mean, I, I've ski. you know, I skied like a lot of pretty difficult mountains with my own personal technique, let's call it. <laughs> you managed to like, do you manage to like New York punk rock guy the slope somehow? Do you wear like black leather skiing pants or like? Yeah, you would hate skiing because it's a sport. <laughs> it's a sport of the rich. There's lots of money in the fucking outfits. Right. So I refuse to pay. So I have this like Burton camo uh, snowboarders jacket that I mm-hmm. ski in, which is probably taboo for a skier to be wearing this like right. hooded like baggy snowboarders jacket. So what um, are you supposed to be in? Like fleece? Nothing but know. like like just LL Bean s- fleece or something. Like a felt, a felt like bib overall. <laughs> I I like know so little about it. I don't even know how to make fun of it. Like, that's but, little- <laughs> but my pants are just like gray, like snow pants, like from okay. like the fucking late eighties, probably yeah, yeah. early nineties. Like, I refuse to like shell out for the. You know, they work. They keep me dry. This just but. came up in my life because, you know, I've never been skiing or snowboarding. Like, I've never been on a ski lift or a mountain, like any of that shit. The only time I've been in a ski lift was to go on the Alpine slide at Action Park, <laughs> um, which you had to take a ski lift up to, but no snow. And I remember, like, like towards the end of high school and, you know, late teens, early 20s, I had a lot of friends who were into snowboarding and they'd be like, Yo, we're going to the mountain for like a day. You want to come? And I'm like, yeah. Like, what? What do you got to do? And they're like, oh, you just buy like a day pass and you rent boots and like a board. I'm like, how much are we talking here? And they're like, oh yeah. They'd be like, oh, like we could probably get it for like 150 or two. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about for like six hours of doing something? You're nuts. Yeah. Like, it's... um. So I never actually got to go. And then recently, you know, my brother, my sister, and I, Brad, we all married white people. <laughs> you know, what a faux pas. And of course, the white representation in, in each of the subsects of family likes to ski. Right. <laughs> so 
So now like they told my wife the other day, they're like, yo, you're the white part of your family. You got to carry on skiing for your family. <laughs> but she doesn't know how to either and isn't uh, really about that. So I don't know if the tradition's going to live on on our I side, mean, you know? Honestly, like every, I mean, especially since having kids, like the first few years that we would take the kids and try, you know, get them lessons and yeah, and get, yeah. you know, and we'd have to buy a lift ticket, but of course would get no runs in because we're right. just trying to take care of the kids. And I'd be just like, you know, I would finally get like one run to myself and be like, all right, there was my hundred dollar run. That was a hundred dollar run. I hope I enjoyed it. <laughs> right. And then, and then you realize like, and then finally, when they're finally getting to the point where they can ski, you think like, why was this a good idea? Like, why do I want kids who are skiers? This is so fucking expensive. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, why do I want to make this our winter? Why don't we just make our winter activity like ice skating on a lake? Right, <laughs> right. Because the whole point is just like, it's like anything, right? It's just like an excuse to be outside all day. It's a great way to appreciate. I mean, don't I mean, get I'm me sure wrong. it's beautiful up there, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're on top of a fucking mountain and yeah. generally you're, you're well-dressed. So you don't usually worry about the elements and, and it's, it is wonderful, but it's just, it's insanely expensive. And, you know, and on top of like the lift ticket and whatever ski rentals and stuff, uh, they, they hose you, you know, for like food when you get to oh, the mountain, yeah. you know, it's just like, it's See, insane. I've, amount I've of played money. a couple ski lodges. So right. I got, I got a little info there. Well, speaking of skiing, did you hear about this guy, uh, Hank the Tank? No. He's a 500-pound bear named Hank the Tank who's been breaking into homes around Lake Tahoe ah. <laughs> for food. Right, right. And he's, like, so big and strong that he's bursting through garage doors Oh, front shit. doors. He's breaking windows. Oh, yeah. Apparently, this... he's responsible for 150 incident reports. He's yeah. broken into 30 houses. It's the best thing. <laughs> this is this giant 500-pound bear named Hank the Tank walking around. Just like he figured out how to like... It, he's not like breaking into loose garbage cans. He's gone to the next right, step. Right. He's literally There's burglaring no people's houses. There's no going back. Oh, I know. I know. That's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's, I hope it's not a sad ending. Yeah, I don't know how that's got to end. They're going to take him to Siberia or what? Well, like, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, they call him a severely food habituated bear that's lost all fear of people, which means right. you can't just throw him out in the woods anymore because he doesn't know how to get food. Right. So he oh. would starve if he went in the woods. You got. They're trying to find like a... Uh, you know, a conservation spot or a zoo for him. Oh. Seems like the bear nerds are on it, you know, like uh, the bear advocacy nerds, you know, that hey, subsect to people. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, I mean, yeah, like, it's a fun story. Imagine just like, like you're on your like uh, ring cam or something, you know, like, what's that noise? And you just see Hank the Tank at your front door. <laughs> You're fucked. That's, that's you gotta run out the door. I know, especially now that like <laughs> it probably used to be cute, like, oh, there's a bear at the door, but now it's like, yo, this motherfucker might break in. Like, oh, he'll <laughs> definitely break in. I mean, there's nothing stopping he's him. He's jimmying the locks and shit, you know? It's got like Yeah. Anyway, skiing, giant fat bears have <laughs> nothing to do with hot water music. Mm, no, have I guess nothing not. to do with Jason Black. 
But I guess that's the uh, the name of the program, huh? Going off track. <laughs> that's what we do. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Expect but nothing different. I was uh, that was one of the best interviews we've done in a while. I was thinking the exact same thing at about you know two thirds of the way through. I was like, oh, this is this is the good one. This is a good one. Feels good. It felt good. It did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got into yeah. some really interesting stuff that you know. Uh, I was hoping to talk about, but in like a, a tasteful way and not just smack in the face with it. Because first and foremost, I mean, we go through this a lot on this program. Like, and I think I even mentioned, I was a fan of Hot Water Music way before I knew these guys. Right. You know, the band means a lot to me. Like uh, the music they made helped me, all those things, you know, that I talk about sometimes. So like... And and on top of that, you know, with Jason, we didn't even talk about it once in this uh, interview, but the record that uh, Jason um, and George and Chris made as the draft is one of the best, seriously, one of the best fucking melodic punk records, like, I know. Right. Um, and, and they just, uh, everything they make, you know, just touches gold. Uh, and Jason is, as Kate put it, when I was doing my... Uh, Kate Hiltz put it when I was doing my research for the uh, interview, she was talking about, she's like, can you ask Jason why he's like basically the best player, bass player in the world, but like doesn't tell anybody and doesn't want to be a rock star. And I'm like, well, I don't think I can ask him like that, but you're right. You know? And, and, you know, I even, I said in the interview, I mean, George and Jason have basically like invented a style of rhythm section that didn't totally exist in this scene before they were doing it. And it's gotten to the point that like, if anybody plays like them, they're just biting Jason and George and they're just trying to be hot water. And and for a rhythm section to do that and for a rhythm section to stand out that much, really fucking hard. You got to be great and you got to be unique to make that happen. So, you know, I've had the, the utmost respect and one of the reasons hot water has made it for 25 years is kind of this unique ability of every one of the members to do what they do extremely well, you know? That's for sure. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It was good to talk to Jason, get into it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Let's hear it. It's going on. 
What room of your home are you in? I'm in the office. You have your own office. I work from home. Yeah, that's true. What's it like? Is it heavily... Are you like a a trinket on the shelf, Sky, or like a clean cut? Mm, There's some trinket. (coughs) Clean cut trinkets. (laughs) What's that mean? Like like no bobbleheads? Definitely no bobbleheads. It's more of like a, a plant and photo trinkety situation. Okay. I struggle with plants in the office. I'm like... I want I want less to clean up in there, you know. It's I mean it's you know it's a challenge, <laughs> but you are in sunny Florida. I'm sure it's easier to keep plants alive. My you know what my office winds up being it's like the the winter greenhouse. All the shit that has to come in from the outside <laughs> in the winter that'll die goes in here for the season. Um, I thought I was lucky. I thought I was going to be late because I was on the phone with your boy Chuck Reagan. Oh, we, I was, hey, try- I was trying to, you know, I was getting some stories about you, you know, fishing around <laughs> for some, for some good meat. And I asked Chuck about my goose problem and he's like, brother, we got to talk, you know? So I get a call to breaking it down. Like what I need to do about goose remediation in my pond, you know? And how to make them into jerky, probably. Well, that's his solution. Um, yeah. <laughs> he knows <laughs> he is currently listen, but he knows what he's talking about, which is why I love Chuck. It's not like he's just stepped out, saw a goose, and was like, fuck him, I'm gonna shoot him. No, it's like <laughs> he, he like tried all the stuff that I've am basically currently trying, which is like all these weird tricks you're supposed to put like a, what looks like a dead goose in your yard to like freak him out. Um, I found this like reflective tape that's supposed to freak him out. You can pound like a strobe light at night so they can't sleep, like all this weird shit. And he's like, man, and I just talked to all these people and he's like, he's like, you just gotta, you gotta do the thing you don't really want to do, you know? So I'm trying to figure out what's the middle ground between basically us being total goose pacifists with what we are now, but they've taken over. I mean, it's their yard. It's not ours anymore. And, and making jerky. I got to find the middle ground there between the two. (laughs) But I don't think you can legally shoot Canadian geese. I think they're like protected. Apparently in California, wherever Chuck is, you're allowed to shoot 25 a day. Holy shit. (laughs) Like, like apparently there's that many Oh that, fuck! That like like you're allowed to shoot that many a day. I don't think I'm allowed to unleash a firearm in that's my cr- yard and kill a goose. <laughs> I I have a feeling that's off the books. But you know, I don't know. I got I got hedge trimmers. They got long necks. <laughs> <laughs> Should I just go saw style on them? Oh god, Jason, you ever had a goose problem? I mean, Florida's got a lot of weird lakes. Uh, yeah, no. No. I mean, we're more of like a bug problem oh, state yeah. than like a wildlife. Because I don't mind. <clears throat> I'm also not so territorial about things where it's like, <laughs> I don't know. We think we might have squirrels in the attic, and I'm like, meh. Just the, what, the, yeah. whatever. Like they need somewhere to be. Exactly. That's yeah. kind of the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Mister Spider. Let's just put you outside. Yeah, I don't need to step on you. It just like there's enough fucking tragedy in the world every day. For yeah. me. <laughs> you couldn't be more right, which I think is like the crux of the problem here. Like I'm literally raising a vegetarian household 
you know, where we like, like you, we escort, we escort bugs and spiders outside, you know, everyone's welcome. So this idea that like, there's like a roving populace that we need to take out is totally antithetical to what we're trying to teach here, you know? So that's so I'm trying to find somewhere between making jerky, but also like having, you know, eagle eye, like a, you know, a foot from my deck. Something yeah, like I mean, a problem's a problem. I, I, I feel, <laughs> I feel for you, man. Like, I, if we Thanks, had like bro. a, if we had a raccoon infestation, for example, we would be taking some, some, some more, uh, more extreme measures because I don't trust those little fuckers. Oh. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. I love the ducks that live here. They're great. They can have whatever they want. But the geese have kind of. They kind of got a bad attitude. Yeah. Uh huh. Same you thing know? with raccoons. I don't, I'm like, yeah. mm, if I get in an alley with you, that's right. I'm not going to ask you how you are. That's right. A group of ducks, there could be five or six. I'd start yeah. a conversation. They're mellow. But like one or two geese, I'm suspect. I got my hand on my multi tool. Right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I don't think we could naturally get back to Chuck. So let's, let's bring up what Chuck was talking to me about now. Must do it. Because, you know, one of the fun things about talking to someone like you, Jason, is I know a bunch of your friends. So I use the my personal Rolodex to get in touch with them prior to these. And Chuck wanted to know if you have remember how many times you've split open his head or face with your headstock. I mean... We talking dozens? No, I don't think so. That feels like a little bit of a Mark Twainism on that one. Um, <laughs> Back in the day, no. I mean, I definitely knocked him completely out once. Really, like, like, like unconscious. Yeah, he went down. Like, oh, totally went down. Whoa! Got back like pretty quickly. We were also much younger, so if it happened today, <laughs> I mean, like, I was in our early twenties. So, do you um, remember where the show was? Yeah, I was in Gainesville at the Hardback, um, mm-hmm. and there wasn't a stage. I mean, in one of its many iterations, this one there wasn't really a stage. It just sort of set up in the corner of the room and played. Okay. So the crowd and everyone was co-mingling, as they say. Um, and I definitely, I mean, it's the same kind of bass I'm playing now, the Stingray with the one tuning peg on the bottom of the headstock. Oh, right. Yeah, you have like a broad, like, oh, a, yeah. like a broad side to hit someone. You kind of come, come either way with that one. So I got him like right above the eye, I feel like, Ooh, and split, wow. split him open pretty good. Did you feel it like the way, like when you land like a good punch, you know, yet you really got like, did you feel it at the end of the head? I definitely knew I hit something and then he was no longer there. So it was like, and he was just Uh, on the ground out. uh Yeah. Got back up, blow on his face, kept playing. Um, I mean, you know, probably got some cool photos out of it. I feel like there is a photo with him that, that has blood running down his face and it is probably from. That. Although it could be from anything else too, microphone, whatever. Sure, um, you're an, you're an artist. You created that blood. I mean, and that dude's kind of like is a little bit of a claymore on stage. As far as like, you don't necessarily need to run into him to have him get his head broken open. Oh, like you're saying he's he'll he'll get to you. Yeah, or he'll get to the floor or whatever. I yeah. mean, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, yeah, he's physical. Like we can say yeah, that physical. Yeah, nice way to put it. Um, he also told, well, is that bar, wasn't that the place that you guys played like your sort of famous last show where you were like, oh, this isn't our last show anymore. 
We've done so many of those, it's hard to keep track. But yeah. <laughs> that was the that, first, right? <laughs> that is definitely the most notable of them. <laughs> right. So I was just I was just reading back on that story. Like what happened from A to B, like from booking the show to playing the show? So that was ninety eight. Um it was after our first European tour, which was in also ninety-eight, and that amounted to basically five weeks in Germany. Which now would be might still be terrible so long. But um yeah. I mean it was it's pretty brutal. Um and uh somewhere on that we broke up. I think that time George was like over it. Um not so we were like anyways, we were just talking about this the other day, actually. We all sat down at like a cafe or whatever and we we're like, all right, we'd rather be friends than in a band together. So let's just sort of, you know, we'll we'll call it quits. And mm-hmm. this this just seems like, you know, too much to deal with. And so we got home, started rehearsing for the show, ended up writing a bunch of songs, decided <laughs> not to break up. Just realized, like, we had never taken a break at that. Right, I mean, right, right, we're right. like a whole three or four years into our career, career giant air quotes career at that right, point. Right, at that um, point, sure. We just sort of, oh, we just needed to take a break. Um, Like, let's just play the show. And if it goes well, then maybe we'll keep playing in it. It, you know, it went well and we kept playing that time. It's a classic mistake, right? Like you don't have to break up, mm-hmm. you know? And especially then it's like, I get it when people break up now to like get more people. It's like, we're breaking up. So everyone comes <laughs> right. and they're like, we got back together. So everyone, comes. it's like it, yeah. people just need a, a fucking angle to get their out of their house to the show or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, people but, are done. People are done with that ruse, though. I don't. I think, oh yeah, no. I, I think, think the so, people think are so through too. with that. They're like, you yeah. know, just play your fucking show without mm-hmm. the, without the melodrama, huh? You know. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, Chuck also told me about a funny story when you were pretty stoked to meet Mike Watt and sampled a bunch of his hot salsas. Does he make salsa? Oh, yeah. I don't know if he was making it or what. That was, I think we, we just, I don't know if we played with him or if we just went to one of his shows in Orlando, but he always, at this point he had on the sunglasses that actually had like the hologram eyeballs in them, like, (laughs) which was kind of awesome and pretty wild. Um, Uh uh And uh, yeah, it was just, you got to try all these hot sauces. They're crazy. They're, they're crazy. Um, he, I mean, he's an awesome dude, but he is very much like in person is very much the same that you would um, like listening to his podcast or reading anything he writes or anything like that. That's not, um, he doesn't have a, a character mode. He just is like right. that dude through and through, which is, is pretty rad, but yeah, it's still meeting that dude was pretty unnerving. Um, or just like, yeah, I guess unnerving. He was very cool and always has been very nice anytime um, that we've run into him over the years. We've played with him. But yeah, were, he's... Were uh, Minutemen a big, big influence for you? I mean, Firehose more than Minutemen. Oh, um, yeah. Just because that kind of hit me at the... Like, they were still doing shows when I started going to shows. Yeah, um, sure. So, and they were, you know, kind of loosely... Uh, associated with like the whole fishbone chili peppers kind of yeah, that right. whole that whole thing um but yeah it was i think the first time we met him was on warp tour he was doing some shows um 
on one of the sides on the same stage we were might have been the first work tour we did um and that dude was super cool and just like hung and talked and that was one of those like oh it's cool to meet your idols or people you look up to moments um so yeah what uh Which, so wait you didn't you didn't grow up in gainesville right or like how close to gainesville were you um like to, since i was i was born in ohio but well, i lived there till i was five or six. So okay. that doesn't really, I kind of, Ohio can just be stricken from the record pretty much. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Five or six. I'm I sure mean, you picked up a couple Midwestern values in there somewhere. I mean, geez, like Wonder Bread <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> Do you really like chili or like anything random? Like no, that? Yeah. it's funny because I don't, I mean, we just went to Ohio for the first time in forever this last yeah. week, a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, God, it's so, I just, it's so not what I'm into. It's so gray and flat. And yeah. Um, yeah. I have more of a, like, I, I was talking to my wife about that when the Bengals were in the Super Bowl. And I'm like, I'm rooting for the Bengals because I know a lot of people from Cincinnati and I know they just they just kind of need this. They do, man. You know, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, LA, you know, they're, they're fine. Yeah. They got lots of stuff. I'm like, I've been to Cincinnati like a lot and, and the, the people there are great, you know, but the place is hard, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's not yeah, pretty. It's, it's hard. It's, hard. No. it's just like a hard place. So I wanted the Bungles to win for, for that reason. I did. Um, so that being said, like, uh, I, uh, I talked to another one of your buddies who told me a little bit about what you were like in high school. And let's see if you can tell who this is based on the sentence. Okay. Said he had blue hair, a fishbone or big drill car, oversized shirt, kind of a shit talker, was funny unless you were on the receiving end, and was an amazing basis at 16. We all had detention one time, and he shows up within 15 minutes, told the teacher he couldn't make him do whatever stupid assignment was given, slammed his books on the desk, and walked out. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that was George, but it got to be right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's still pretty much accurate, minus the blue hair. Um, you still got fishbone big drill car shirts. Yeah, I do. I actually only have a fishbone hoodie currently. I've re-upped on the big drill car shirts since then, and have been scoping the fishbone web store lately. So, I mean, it's all it's pretty full circle at this point in life. I kind of am comfortable with. <laughs> with <laughs> what I am, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the story because like, you know, um, from what I know of you, you seem to be one of those people who have been like exactly who they are for a long time. And I, I wanted to know if like, is that part of the reason you like found punk? Like, did you have that kind of energy where you felt like a little, little off the fray and just a little like frustrated. And that was one of the things that drew you to that or was it the other way around? I'm, I don't know. I mean, I, for, I think that probably the easiest way, like as far as always being who I am, I think that's true. Even though there were definitely a lot of times in my life where I was probably trying to avoid that or like turn it into something different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, and that's usually when shit goes wrong for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as finding punk, that was 
it was, I feel like it was a pretty similar story for me as a lot of, you know, people in my forties age ranges in middle school. When I started really getting into music, there were a lot of, there weren't a lot of, I mean, there were a lot of punk bands, but there also weren't a lot at the same time. And so, right, right. you know, I would hang out with, I was never like one of the cool kids, I guess. Um, although I don't know who the cool kids were either. So it's kind of, a, you know, whatever. <laughs> and they're certain, they're definitely not cool now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but like I went to a pretty small school. So I was with the same group of, people for a lot of like from fourth grade on pretty much. Okay. Um, and so there was some of like some metal kids that I was friends with and some skater kids that I was friends with. And it's, that's pretty much how I would find anything where it's like, Oh, I mean, I fucking, the, I used to like record the radio every morning too, before school. So oh, nice. it would be one of those things where you would find out about like, you know, whatever guns and roses and then you find out about testament and then you find out about overkill and then that's how you find out about black flag yeah you know what right, I mean? like right. you go down the thrash metal road to the punk road and you're like oh shit this is cool yeah probably i mean it definitely was went in reverse order from like way more into skating than into metal and then just into kind of figured out punk from there because everyone I knew that was starting bands was kind of starting punk bands at that point. Right. Very loosely. Like the metal bands. I mean, growing up metal was super big um, and death metal was huge. And like Sarasota, where we grew up, there was um, oh, yeah. like George and I's old place, our old practice space was right around the corner from uh, atheists and cynics. So we were like around those kind of dudes a lot or no, okay. sorry. The replacement bass player from Atheist was from Cynic, so not their practice space. But we were in the like. George is in a death metal band called Burial at the same time that he and I were playing it like together in high school. So we right. were kind of in that zone too. Huh. Um, so there was just a lot of, I guess it's fucking great. And we were also playing in jazz band too. So we we're all over fucking map. Well, yeah, but, that's where you were learning the chops. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it, it, but it just kind of the people that seemed to be able to get out and do more shows. Like the punk scene was really kind of coming into its own right. around that time. I think, you know, this is like 91, two, three zone. It's um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. A, a lot of people recently have kind of mentioned this kind of sort of bridge from, from metal, especially like eighties metal into punk and hardcore. And like, I was wondering, do you think it was, you know, I, I can see metal obviously as the uh, the bridge to just like heavy music. You know what I mean? Like things that get your ear accustomed to speed and uh, heaviness and power and screaming even, which is, you know, not what uh, mainstream people like to hear. But I, I wonder, was the branch off because like metal was just so big and popularized at that time? Or was the branch off the kids who went punk are the ones who are like, I actually kind of have like something to say, like I want something more political or I want something like an avenue to actually like feel a certain way, which like metal didn't seem to provide. Like, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I like, I knew all the metal cause that's what was on MTV. 
Right. Like if yeah. you put on if you put on Hair Nation right now, I could probably sing every fucking song. Like it, <laughs> it freaks me out how much I remember like the fucking Trickster single or whatever. Yeah, right. Where I'm like, all right, cool. No, I know I'm not the video. And then with the, you know whatever. Oh yeah, they're in a garage with flannels on. Like yeah. I just like I can go down subconsciously. The, why do I love spandex so much? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not. <laughs> um, I I think that like. With the punk stuff, it was just maybe that it was more interesting or maybe that's just the people I could find to play with. I mean, it, mm. it really started flipping when you got, like, once things... Well, I mean, there was a lot of, like, the straight-edge hardcore uh, crew of friends that I was sort of hanging with, so then you get into that thing. But once bands, like... I mean, like, Big Girl Car is a good example, or, like, Doughboys or Seven Seconds... And I mean, Fugazi at that point too, like once you started getting that kind of stuff in the mix, then it was like, oh, there's just this whole world of shit where with a lot of what was coming out with metal at that time, it's like you had thrash and you had hair metal. And I mean, it's kind of, I guess, still that probably people that will listen to metal will kill me for that. But (laughs) like, I know I'm just like going through my head. I'm like, no, Artie's already mad. Yeah. The Um, real enthusiasts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there was just a lot more stylistic stuff going on in punk. And it it felt like, like all the bands, I think about this a lot because I don't know why. um, Cause it's in my head, but like a lot of the bands that really still stick with me from them were the bands like, Faith No More or Fishbone that didn't ever fit into any real category musically. And they made really cool records, like in the way where every song wasn't the same. Not Mm. against, I mean, and that's no disrespect to the 8 million bands that I've been in or love that have kind of the same sounding songs throughout the record. That's fine. Um, But that's, I think that was the stuff that really grabbed me. And so that was kind of in that weird metal punk crossover yeah. almost you know yeah it's interesting I, you know it's funny for some reason i had like six of eight podcasts in a row that were ska people i don't know how it happened um but almost every one of them was mentioning fishbone as influences and i honestly t- for the life of me until i started interviewing these bands had no i i didn't know i didn't think fishbone was a ska band you know i listened to him in the 90s and i listened to him kind of for like the chuggy guitars. Yeah. And it kind of felt like, like, like you said, like borderline metal. And I think that was the reason I was into it. And then, you know, I was just like, Oh, they have horns and stuff, you know? But then I had no, I had no idea. They were even like influencing like ska culture at all, you know? (laughs) Yeah. The first stuff was, I mean, I went back, I worked backwards on them as well too. Okay. Like it kind of came in around truth and soul and then there's a little bit on there but you know you go backwards and then it's like oh god yeah they actually i mean it just was scott from the get-go so they started scott fishbowl yeah Yeah, but then they still shredded like not that all other scott bands don't shred but it's like they're (laughs) still just tearing your face off when they're doing that let's be honest jason no not all scott bands shred that's totally okay (laughs) not you know, they don't all shred. All right. You might lose your Florida dual citizenship if you, you get to on Scott. I mean, I mean, not all punk bands. I, you know, I am actually <laughs> kind of happy that Scott's coming back because yeah. we, I miss having that um, sort of aesthetic to play shows with. Uh, like, yeah, sure. It's nice to have. I get really tired of, um, and I know this is like, 
counterintuitive for a lot of people that go to shows, but like our, my favorite bills are still a lot of the bills that we would do way back when it would be like a grindcore band and a ska band and yeah. a pop punk band. And, sure. you know, that was, that was cool when that's how the scene was. And now it's like, you know, seven bands that all sound the same. Yeah. It's punishing. Even if all the bands are good, <laughs> it's just like, hearing the same tones at that volume for, for that many hours straight, it's just punishing. It's there's no way around it. Yeah. I, I kind of think I like that Ska's around too. And I kind of see Ska as like, to me, <laughs> here's my analogy. It's like the way I, as a Jewish guy, feel about Christmas. It's like, it's nice. It doesn't bother me at all. People act nice to each other. You know, it's like this thing. Uh, I'm, and I'm happy to be like Christmas adjacent, you know, cause it yeah. seems like a nice place <laughs> and that's kind of the way I feel about Scott. It seems very nice. The people seem very nice. They act nice to each other. Yeah, everyone's friendly. Yeah. Totally I support them. I'm with you. I just, I don't want to dress like that. I don't want to dance like that, you know, like, so I'm just going to, just like Christmas, I'm Christmas adjacent. I stay Scott Jason, you know, even though I do really like that cat bite. I don't know if you've heard them. Yeah, they did. They played fast um, last year. They're, they're, they're cool. fucking, yeah, they're killing it right now. I think too. I discovered something about what I like in ska because of them. I think I like horn free ska, oh. you know, and I like the ones I, cause I really like the agrolytes as well. They're and they, amazing. And they have kind of that classic organ thing going on. Yeah. Catbite has the classic organ thing going on, which I think gives me a little bit of like a soul vibe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely with the agrolytes for sure. And that, you um, know, and that I like, you know, a lot more than like, I guess like, you know, proper like skanking music, you know? Fair enough. Fair enough. So I mean, I go, I, I had a really deep run into like the, um, Treasure Island Records category, like it's right. some a catalog at some point where I just went full into like ska history. So I have, I don't know if I'll, like I have pretty big appreciation for it, and, and definitely, um, like I did my homework on it, where I'm like, where did this all come from? Because it right, gets right. like the lines between reggae and ska and rocksteady and like dancehall all get kind of lost when you're sure. just listening to like Pitbull and Bob Marley or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a long line from A to B. So I, yes. I was super curious as to how it happened. And yeah, it, it's yeah. wild how much of that stuff sure. that I think people don't think about. It's like, I can name you 5 million dudes that are like, the clash is my favorite band. I fucking hate Scott. And I'm like, you're dumb. <laughs> Cause like, the, I don't know which records you've listened to. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> It's true. You at least have to have like an appreciation for the music. Yeah. Like you got to, you know, you don't have to go. I'm not, you know, I get if you don't want to jam it all day long, but it's it's that weird, like, it's kind of the weird thing with like dudes that are not dudes, people that like, I hate hip hop, but I love reggae. I'm like, I'm confused by you. Right. Because like, I feel like what you're going to tell me is that hip hop's repetitive and they didn't write the music or whatever. And I'm like, Reggae is repetitive and it's got one part. I love both of them. That's most of what I listen to, but I can never really like have a hard time like getting on board with the the uh, hmm. the, the weird lines that people draw with shit. I mean, you know but what, this Jason? Is- you know what? I kind of went into this interview setting you up as more of a dissenter. And look at this. You're a unifier. 
You're bringing people together. I mean, I'm more than happy to like, I can be a little, you know, I can be a little more divisive if you want. We could talk about country music. No, no, I like this. I like this. This Talk about country music and I'll I'll get every. No, we don't want to bum Chuck out. We already. already Oh, he knows. I'm sure he does. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he's heard it a couple times. Yeah. Well, since we were back in this time, you know, of course, George Rebello is a very important player for me um, growing up listening to your band and him being uh, such an excellent player. And when I was talking about these times where he was like telling me about senior skip day and you getting detention, thinking it was bullshit. I'm like, what were you doing? Were you hyped up? He's like, nah. He's like, I was just like quiet and played in bands. So like what was in 15, 16, like when George moved to uh, your area, what's your first impression of like what George was like? And how'd you, uh, how did you learn he rips at drums? Well, we were in the first, uh, was it my first day too? I don't know. We went to, so our afternoon, like he went to the school, he went to this high school, he was districted there and they had an afternoon, like basically fame for, which is like now we're so old, that's not even a good touchstone but a visual performing arts program in the afternoon Um, and then if you didn't go to that school you could apply to go to it so which i did and that's where we met and you guys met at fame basically yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um makes sense why you guys actually know how to play your instruments though i think yeah we spent a lot of time doing it um i want to say that he i think he was a sophomore and i was a freshman when we met and um, we just met in jazz band. Like he was good, and like uh, I don't know if we got along right away or didn't get along right away. I mean, he was like full on Massachusetts, like or Rhode Island. Um, not to because there's a difference, I guess. Um, yeah, you know, like well, see, we can say New England. Just New. Just oh, I mean, there it is. Yeah, yeah Foxborough. Uh, yeah. So, like full on. <laughs> I'm 99% sure it was Dr. Feelgood tour shirt, long hair with bangs, (laughs) like just like in it. And are we talking like the Chowda accent and everything? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Use guys (laughs) and all that shit. Like, yeah, yeah. not as much, not like the pock, the cod, not like that bad, but definitely a lot of like use guys and shit for a while. Rhode Island Italian shit going on. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, at some point, we decided to be friends or d- I don't really know what happened. And However that works in high school. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, I think we were just like, Oh, you're the other dude that doesn't suck. So let's hang out. Right, um, right. you know, and, uh, I don't know. We got, I, I think the fact that I liked metal was probably not bad, but I was full on like just hardcore at that point. And he was like, this shit all sucks until I finally, <laughs> until he finally heard Fugazi and he's like, Oh, this is cool. I get oh, this. Okay. So it took that for him to realize that it wasn't all, I mean, as a metal drummer in jazz band, if someone plays your minor threat, probably not super interesting. I get yeah, that. No, that's you true. Know? Yeah, that's true. If you're coming from that school, if you're used to listening to Slayer and someone plays you minor threat, you're probably just gonna be like, nah, you know, sloppy beats. Totally. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't understand what's happening. This is right. awful. But from a jazz you know. perspective, yeah, like Brendan Canty, like Fugazi. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's funny. So when did uh when did you guys like 
jump the gun and um, play music outside of school? Pretty quickly. I'm, we had, he played, we had kind of a high school band. Well, I mean, I guess it was a high school band. It was with a bunch of friends from the other school that I went to during the day that he um, played drums for. And at one point we even had a keyboard player and like did fishbone covers, but from reality. So like no. the more metal, the more progressive, I'm sure it was fucking terrible. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we did that for most of high school. We also had kind of a metal band with this one dude um, that played guitar. I don't know. Where, I don't remember where George met him. And then it was kind of like a prong, like progressive riff metal band, but okay. instrumental never did anything. Um, then him and Chuck and a couple other dudes had more of a like Allison Chainsy kind of uh, like heavier uh, band that I played bass with. Yeah, I played bass in like randomly. Not okay. all the time. Like some like helped here and there. I can't, I don't really have the timeline on that one. It was definitely you still like, seem even to this day that you like weren't too hyped on doing that. That was not. They knew it too. <laughs> like, I mean, it was cool when we were doing it. Here's the thing. That was the first, they had discovered drop D and I did not. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm just playing all these riffs along with the guitar. This is boring. I'm going to go over here and play a bunch of fucking slap bass and these <laughs> right. other terrible things. So, um, that's that's kind of where that went. I can't remember. I wish I could remember who was. I think this dude, Mark, was the original bass player. And then I filled in with them for a little bit. And it's like George and I were always kind of doing that. Like, I'll play in your band if you play in my band thing. Right, right. Um, and that's kind of how we just kept going until. Yeah, it's crazy. You guys are like the magical rhythmic connection. But do you guys really have at this point, like, uh, I'm in a real shorthand I mean, how how much when you and George are writing, is it is it uh, you know, vocal or are you guys kind of just like looking at each other and feeling it out? Like, I mean, it's pretty. It was nice because a lot of the stuff we did for the new record, um, we did in live pre pro instead of just emailing shit back and forth to each other or whatever. Nice. Yeah. Um, and it was. I mean, I felt like we definitely had a really good shorthand on this one. Well, it was a lot of like. Maybe 30 second conversation about, Hey, do this kind of thing there and try that. But you know, from one or the other. And, um, it, it was good. It came, I'm pretty, pretty pumped on everything we came up with on this one. Um, I mean, how I wonder, like, you know, from my perspective, you two are one of the best and most unique rhythm sections, you know, to come out of punk and hardcore pretty much ever. Um, and to me, if somebody does the kind of thing that you guys do, it's so obviously biting you too that I think it's like your wheelhouse. You know what I mean? If anyone's <laughs> playing like you guys, they're like, oh, they're biting off hot water. Um, like how cognizant of that are you? Like, do you know exactly what your sound is with George and 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 want to like put it into the music or is it a totally organic process? Um, I... Feel, I mean, as far as from my perspective, I usually, for the most part, follow his lead as far as fills and stuff goes because he's much more, I don't know if he's, actually, I don't think he is. He just goes first in recording. 
Like, that's it. Like, you know, that's kind of how it comes down to it. Like I was going to say, he really thinks about his parts. Not that he doesn't think about his parts, but I don't think he sits around and writes fills so much as he's like, kind of like I am where I'm like every transition, I have like four or five go-to basic things where it's like, I can pull from this bag of tricks and which one's going to work. And how do I just sort of like, you know, make it fit this time. Um, I mean, we there at the same time, there is a little bit of like, pushing each other to do more or less where it's like, dude, we've been doing this for a long time. We should really like, you know, so let's shit all over everybody with this one if we can. You <laughs> right, know. right. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's pretty, it is pretty organic. I mean, there's not, it, if anything, we'll talk about what kind of vibe we want for a song. Right. So like if someone has a riff, like it's usually we usually do that to other people's stuff like one of the dudes will be like i got this idea and we'll be like okay i'll send him something and we try to you know make it as it'll be i don't know here's this guitar riff and i'll send like a run the jewels song i'm like let's play it like this instead he's nice. like oh, okay cool and that's yeah, kind yeah. of the that's like sort of my most recent plan of attack is to try to not play any of this stuff like um I don't know, just a white dude playing bass or whatever, um, <laughs> as much as possible, because yeah. I've done a lot of that in my life. So, um, Wait, what do you, you've done white dude playing, I mean, you're a white dude who plays bass. What do you exactly. Yeah, I mean, so I'm like, you know, there's a little bit of like, how would I do this if I weren't me? Yeah, right, right, right. Step you know, outside like, of yourself. Exactly. Sure. And yeah. the easiest way that I've kind of figured out to do that lately is just to pull beats from like hip hop shit that I like and yeah. be like, how can we make this fit this this kind of vibe fit this sort of song? It always ends up like so far away from the original, like <clears throat> whatever suggestion that you would yeah. never even well, it's like so hard, consider right? it. Once you start bringing hip hop in, and there's like uh, you know electric guitars. You're a, you're automatically running the risk of white hop like right oh, off dude. the bat. Yes. You know, like yes, absolutely. murky, murky territory. It really is. So yeah. we just kind of like keep that in our end of things. And <laughs> right. the, the rest of the guys don't even know what's happening. And yeah. It's fine. Like it's, it's like Yeah, Chuck, don't listen to hip hop right now. Like stick with the country. Yeah. yeah, play your like we're doing ours. That's I feel like that's sort of how we approach this record. It's like we're gonna do our thing, you guys do your thing. And right. you know, and George is I mean, honestly, way more involved in the studio process than I am. Like he goes every day after he's done. Oh, okay. And when I'm done, I'm just you're like, out. Call me if something lights on fire. Yeah. Or if <laughs> like or if something's terrible. Um not that I don't like the making the of records part, but I don't, I don't have the patience to do the attention to detail that's necessary for like, just at, I think by the time we get to writing, like we're recording and I'm done with my bass, my creativity is like pretty much tapped out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I get it. Um, we, I mean, listen, we all have our roles, you know, and yeah, you also have like a pretty, you know, heavy, AKA like a management ish role inside your band too so you know there's plenty to think about it's like i, I can understand that i mean at this point um wh what's like the you know especially with 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 chris and chris like what's the current breakdown of how like a hot water music song gets put together um well so for this one we had about 
80 million demos, I feel like, but probably not. This was a lot of... I'm trying to think of like literally how we started. I mean, we started with a couple rough ideas that we all traded over. Most of it was pre-production was done for the most part remotely, pandemic being the main reason. Right. Um, we did a couple sessions in Gainesville here before I moved back um, with me and Wallard and George and McTernan and Ryan, our engineer, um, just to kind of, we would take, once we had enough ideas, we would kind of come in and try to put down skeleton tracks for them so people could really fine tune vocals and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really, I want to say that it was very, um, like it was a very communist record, which was cool. Like mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff that Wallard sings that Cresswell wrote or like Cresswell sing a part that Wallard wrote, Chuckle sings something that it, it, like there wasn't, it's not even like that at this point where it's like, you might sing this better, you sing this part. Okay, cool. Like, right. so it was very, like, everyone kind of, um, very communal vibes as far as the final product goes. That's um, awesome. Yeah, and it, it was the most uh, kind of written together and jammed out record we've done in a minute. Right. Um, That's good. So there isn't really a go-to process as far as it, it'll... I think like having Cresswell involved now, there's definitely a whole new vocabulary of like, he will bring ideas that we would obviously have not had before. And then is also receptive to ideas that maybe wouldn't have made it through before right. as well. Sure. So it's kind of cool. There's a little bit more of a, like, there's just a little bit more we have in the, you know, whatever in our vocabulary now, which is cool. Sure. Um, and you happen to bring in like uh the uniquely like nicest, easiest know, like, dude, dude ever, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, it, it, totally. <laughs> yeah. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You know, from the outside, you guys are sort of pulling off you know, a magically impossible thing in a way, you know, like, yeah, you are like, there's, (laughs) there's like not a lot of, I think bands who could get through the thing you guys are getting through and, uh, doing it in a way that is not only like private enough. It doesn't bum out your fans tasteful enough that it doesn't bum out your fans. And then actually in the end, like quite the opposite, it's actually like excited people and made it kind of, better like how the fuck did you guys do it like how did you do that i mean aside from the fact of just being really good friends like actual friends who know each other and listen to each other like what was the like the ins and outs of trying to make all this work um a lot of it has just been patience i think in the way that i mean it all kind of like like, I mean, it's been whatever reported um, that it just kind of happened where it was like, Waller can't play. Cresswell's there. It works. He fills in for right. shows. There was like, kind of, wasn't there like a fest show or something? That yeah, like- it was, it was, we had, we did Riot Fest with Waller. We were going to do, like, we moved some shows after that because he was still not like feeling right. Mm-hmm. And then we were going to do fest and I had come over here, um, and me and Waller and George rehearsed a couple times, and he's like, "All right, I think I'm, I think I can, I think I'm good to go." I'm like, "All right, cool, man. Just let us know." Yeah. And uh, it came like I think it was the show day where he's like, "I cannot do this." And we we're wow. like, "Shit! All right, well, Chuck's already on a plane." Like, yeah. You know, um, and at Fest, I'm sure you're one of the big like headliners. Yeah, I think we, we were headlining, so yeah, it was yeah. like, "All right, well, how are we gonna? What are we gonna do?" You know. Yeah. Um, and George, I had already talked to Cresswell about maybe singing trusty chords that night just as a like, Hey, you're here. Let's, this will oh, be fun. Okay. Right. Um, and he's like, okay, cool. So he was already like, yeah, I'll be around for your set. George was just like, dude, how many songs can you learn? And he's like, I, I don't have time. I can't do that. And then he called a little bit later and I was like, I think I have six ready for tonight. So. Wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, so he just he, sat down and like cranked the, like the ones yeah. he knew the best or something. He got it close enough. So we did like part of the set as a three piece and then part of the set with him. And then we did the same thing the next day at like a secret show. Um, And then we just kind of like had already had shows booked. So let's just follow through with our commitments if this seems cool with him. And, you know, fast forward to shit two years ago now, almost when we started working on this record, Mm -hmm. um, we were decided we were going to make a record and we had not had the conversation with like me, Chuck, 
Wallard and George about Cresswell being involved with the record. Right. I feel like it was just kind of one of those like, hey, we're just assuming everything's fine. And we so had he'd been playing live that whole time, right? Totally. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so we had the four of us basically had like a real drag down blowout phone call. That probably should have happened 10 years ago or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, and then you had, you had a real sound. Metallica, some kind of monster moment. Dude, we, yes. We had, <laughs> everyone had on a fucking gnarly sweater. And we, <laughs> um, God, I went to see that in the theater and I was like, how can they make such terrible shit after so long? It's crazy. Um, it's just, I've been on a Metallica kick lately and I definitely am, am still just like, why? Well, finish your story because I got some thoughts on that. Okay, we'll go back to that. So we kind of, I mean, I make it sound a little more dramatic than it was. It was just like, we were airing the dirty laundry. Yeah, yeah, we got everybody like, this is what bothers me about you and you and you. And everyone was just being like super honest and not hurtful for once instead of worrying about everyone else's reactions. Mm. And we got everything to a really solid spot. Okay. And we just started working on songs and it's been killer. And like, I like having McTurnan involved was like, was super, super awesome because he really like, he really got us back to where everyone's and beyond, like everyone's firing at top level on this mm. one where he's like, ever like pushing everyone in a super positive way to like, I made all these records with you guys. Yeah. So I know what you can do. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. like, uh-huh. let's just do that. Like, don't give me this shit because I know you can do it. Like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that it was really helpful to have that component. Sure. Um, and that's just kind of where it went. And like, I think that when we got to, we were already working together and we like, Wallet and Cresswell would work on some stuff remotely together. And then when we got into the studio, like they spent most of the recording time working together on guitar parts and vocals and stuff. So mm-hmm. they really developed a super awesome relationship. Yeah. And it's just kind of been like, Waller doesn't want to play shows and that's cool with him. Like right. he doesn't, you know, he's been, and doing he's like of, actually cool with it. Not just, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. he, everyone's at the right, like everyone's at a cool place. He's like, I don't want, like, I've even asked him, I'm like, man, you want to like, you know, come up for a song at what? He's like, no, man. Like right. he yeah. came and watched our show at fest, which is the first wow. time we've been, that we played with Cresswell in Gainesville. And yeah, he came and watched the whole set and like hung out and it was cool. So huh. I, it, I think the vibe that the fans are getting is the same vibe that we have where there's like, we just, the most important thing that I kept emphasizing to everyone is there was, there was always like, should we make another statement? Should we make another this? Should we make another that? And I was like, why? Hmm. Like Chris has said his piece about why he's not playing anymore. And that hasn't changed. Yeah. Right. Uh, we've been playing shows with Cresswell for like whatever, two or three years now. If someone isn't hip to that whole program, that's not our problem. Yeah. And the sure. more that we go out there and say, Hey, we're doing this or, Hey, we're doing that. It's like you, A, you have the risk of backtracking on whatever you say, which right. is just annoying to have to make another fucking Instagram post. <laughs> and then like, right. you know, like, uh, and I was also sort of like, I don't know, man, like what is it on one level? It doesn't, particular like i'm not going to speak for waller i'm not going to speak for cresswell like we're making records and playing shows and people are either going to be okay with it or not and Mm -hmm. it's just i think by not belaboring the point that really helped us kind of pull off this whatever magic trick where it's like oh that's just how it is now 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think it takes so many unique variables to pull off what you guys are pulling off. The one that I think is hard for people to understand is it feels like sort of this like uh, beautiful like gift almost in a way to me from Wallard and where it's like, totally. like, I, like I love this thing enough and I love these people enough that I'm not going to like take down the ship with me. And I'm like, you know what I mean? Like there seems to be a real like grace in that. Like, do you see that? See it that way as well? Absolutely. Like he is just like, I love writing songs and making records and I still get to do that. So cool. Like it's very much like, we're very happy that he still wants to do that. And he's very happy that we still want him to do that with us. And so it's like, it just is sort of everyone getting out of each other's way and kind of letting the thing be the best that it can be with the current circumstances. Yeah. It's beautiful. It really is. And as like someone who is just a fan of your band long before I met you, it's nice watching it play out like this. You know what I mean? There's, a hundreds of uglier ways that this could have went. <laughs> oh, dude, I know. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I'm sure it got close at times. Like, but um, I mean, there's always like, what? Are we, how is this? It was. I think for us, as much as anyone else, it was just the uncertainty of like, what is the status quo or whatever yeah, the current. Right, right. And I like I. I felt prey to worrying about that as well. And I'm glad that we always kind of like cooler heads prevailed into like, it just is whatever it is right now. Yeah. And that's really all that kind of matters. Like we don't have like, it's sort of a, I don't want to say it's a, this like kind of how we operate. Cause on some level it is how we operate where it's like, we're going to go play this. Sh- we're going to put out this record. And if you don't like it, that's totally your problem. You're right. Like, and not in a dismissive way of the fans where it's like, we don't expect everyone to come to every show or like every record or whatever. And so at some point you have to like take the band back for yourself. Yeah. And, you know, make it about you having a good time and making music that you're really pumped on and not sweating what people are going to think about it. Sure. And just word to the wise, if you're going to try to pull it off get like the nicest Canadian dude you could find. Yeah, it, it does help to have a very, very, <laughs> ge- like very kind human do that yeah. because this is like a buttery takes, dude, right? Like, yeah. yeah, it takes one whole avenue of, of yeah. shot taking out of there. Right. <laughs> and then Wallard on the other hand, to me is like one of the most true like punk rockers like I've ever met, you know? Oh dude, yeah. Who's like Absolutely. really about like the fucking thing, you know? So, yeah. so it's like, yeah, it's just this beautiful, beautiful recipe. Um, but to get back to some kind of monster real quick. Yeah. So I, I, you know, of course I'm like you huge Metallica fan. Watch that documentary when it came out, of course, in conjunction with St. Anger, wasn't happy, you know, not fucking happy. No, don't like the snare. Don't like the lyrics. Don't like the songs. Hate this fucking movie. What are you guys doing? I got to be honest, Jason, it's growing with me in a much different way where I'm like, holy shit, just like Lars kind of being right about digital downloads. He's totally right. I was just thinking like, about this the other day. I was you like, know, I want to make a Lars was right shirt. Like right Lars back. was right about that. <laughs> and then the thing that always amazed me about some kind of monster is this, is like, it's not like we were the only ones watching it. They watched it and yeah. let it come out. It's right? True. They saw themselves being like so vulnerable 
so shitty, so stupid at times where they look like mockeries of themselves and kind of put it out. And it's sort of this like open admission to the process. And even they were so universally mocked for bringing in a therapist when now 20 years later, it's exactly what they should have done, right? Like instead of people who are trying to get clean and go to rehab, instead of like having these, like, like you said, 10 years of not talking and then like, you know, blow them out fights and things that can really be so devastating. They actually decided to like commit to the process and do like an emotionally healthy process, which is the corniest shit ever to watch. But probably in the end, like save the band, save themselves as people. And now that all these years have passed, just like Lars being right about downloads, I don't know. I think they were ahead of their time. I cannot fault them for anything that they have done. Kind of ever. I'm sure I could find something in the way that like, yeah, you're totally right. Like I watched the movie. I think the thing that scared me about the movie was watching the riffs. And I'm like, this is an awesome riff. And then getting the record. And I'm like, what happened to the awesome riff? Yeah, where'd that I'm riff so, go? <laughs> so confused. And like, you know, <laughs> looking at it from a mature standpoint, I totally understand where it's like, dude, you're just fighting for your band and it's your life and you've got to make the record. And like, you think it's the shit and it comes out and people are like, meh, not so much. Right, and yeah. we, it's happened to all of us. So like, I mean, we've all sat there in some version of that scene with Lars totally. and <laughs> where you're yep. like, oh my God, they hate this record. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Shit. Like, I just worked so hard on this. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're yep. just stroking yep. their beard, looking at you weird, you know? Very familiar. And yeah. I can't imagine like trying to, it, I mean, they're a very tough band to like really take to task because yeah. they were my favorite band for so much of my childhood. And it was very like distinctly ride the lightning through and justice for all like those three mm-hmm. records. Mm-hmm. I was purchased and listened to the black album when it came out. I accepted as part of their Canon. I'm not one of the black album apologists necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still good songs on there. And then after that, I, I, I keep, I tried with death magnetic. I tried with everything. I'm like, this is like pretty cool. Yeah. And that's where I ended up with. And I'm like, I wonder, I don't know why. <laughs> and I started thinking about this all because of Cliff Burton's birthday. And I was like, what uh, would have ha- What could have been, you know, like, yeah. was that, was that the thing? Well, I mean, you know? Uh, you know, it's the interest. Yeah. The black album probably never happens if Cliff Burton was alive. Yeah. And in, in a sense of, you know, we never know. Wow. So. I didn't ex- I, you know, this is why I love going off track, Jason. I didn't expect yeah, to get into hey, Metallica I mean, right now. I've just been on, the, like, for whatever reason, they've been on the brain lately. In particular, I think a lot of it's with the, like, the Spotify uh, mm. dust up, dust yeah, up lately, sure. where I was like, fuck, Lars was totally right. <laughs> God damn Dude. it. Like, I, I was privy the other day. I'm not, you know, I won't say names or anything like that, but I saw an insider, business insider's, email chain in regards to Spotify artists leaving artist rates and that stuff. And honestly, I was fucking horrified by like out of touch. The industry side of it is with the artist side of it. Oh yeah. It's uh, never been bigger, I think. And it's really strange to listen to these people talk about, you know, the fates of, mine and our all of basically all of our friends lives 
uh, the way they talk about it. It's it's so cavalier and and scary, honestly. It's pretty wild. I I mean, it, at some point uh, you can't. Whatever, you just kind of have to deal with it. It is what it is. But like, I I get very frustrated when I look at the movie industry and the and more more so than them the video game industry and how they fucking nailed it ahead of time. And you right. can't download fucking whatever. I mean, the video games are sixty bucks and that's it. And you that's sure it. you can find it, but like for whatever. I mean, not shocking and. I mean, we've worked with labels that I love and we've worked with labels that I don't love. Um, for whatever reason, the music industry at large, the, you know, the big heads, they don't give a shit, never giving a shit. And they still don't give a shit. And, you know, the labels all struck really good deals with Spotify. So mm-hmm. their income streams, not so bad. Oh, they're um, fine. Yeah, they're you know, fine. they just took it from all the artists and none of us knew enough to negotiate that into our contracts back That's then because right. everyone was like what is this shit like yeah. oh, you know i'm and still all, selling yeah. albums hand, like an lp hand over fist on tour right. i don't need to worry about this so it, it was uh chris everyone chris wallard was right up. right we're Dude. all just, we're all just fucking t-shirt salesmen you know it man it's true and i was gonna <laughs> say and this leads me to the part where people are like totally okay with spending 40 dollars on a shirt now because that's just what it is like right yeah i mean not a short sleeve t-shirt or whatever, but you know, ticket prices are crazy and shirt prices are crazy. A little bit of that's because shirts are mad expensive right now, but it's because we have lost an entire, I mean, like hot water was never this giant royalty machine in the first place. We've sold way less records than people think we have by, by a lot, but that still was like easily. I mean, over the course of time, it's, you know, tens of thousands of dollars that have just been, like they're just gone because people are still listening. Probably more people are listening and they just do it for, for free, which is like fucked up in the way where you think about that's the devaluation of art that's been allowed to happen. Yeah. Um, yep. Where it's, you know, you're what you made isn't worth anything. So it's, you know, Again, you can get real high horsey about it, but Lars was right, and we're all kind of hosed at this point. So, well, I, I mean, <laughs> I know, I know, uh, I know Phil Badiato, and I know he's at least maybe considered the idea of a hot water music NFT. No, we have kicked that around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like it, the best part about NFTs is Wu Tang did the original one, right? Um, like. <laughs> I don't know, and I don't know what it would be. Like, that was a conversation that popped up for a minute right around when, like, the NBA stuff was really popping off. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, we never got to the point of, like, I don't know, do we do that? And, I mean, I kind of think stuff like that is super cool in the way where it does allow you as an artist to, like, you know, get paid without anyone scraping off the top. And, and and it's just about, it's like it's an option. What do you so if someone spends what someone else considers an absurd amount of money on it? It's no skin off anyone's teeth. No, you know it I gives mean? a shit. Yeah. yeah, yep. I kind of love it. How about how about an NFT series of Chuck shooting geese? Dude, yeah. I can't. I mean, come on. I, see, I know some I, people who'd pay 
I feel like that has to be two two thousand dollars for that. That has to be his own thing. Like I would let him keep that. That's much more like his solo aesthetic than the band aesthetic. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Chuck's NFTs. Well, shout out to Phil too. I, I hit up Phil for this interview. Oh, right on. He yeah, Chuck that. gets enough grief from us with this. Like, <laughs> I, it's like that. You know, I don't give Chuck grief because, like, I you know. I'm a father. I own some land. I also have a pond. All these things. Chuck, as as beautiful as a per- I feel so inadequate. I grew up in an apartment. You know what I mean? Like, like I yeah, had like dude. a foot of snow last month. I couldn't even get my snowblower on. I didn't know what to do. I filled it with stuff. I changed the spark plug. That's my knowledge stops there. You know what I mean? And I know if this was Chuck Reagan's house. That snowblower is getting fucking fixed somehow. The driveway's clean, you know. And I, he's just he, he's kind of he's my bar, but he's a very high bar of what to do, you know. I mean, for sure. Flip side of that is like there are many moments where it is like Zoolander trying to get things done uh, with <laughs> computer technology with him and Waller, where it's like, yeah, dude, the files are actually in the fucking computer. Like that's what <laughs> so it's. Okay, so so my podcast set up here. Wait, like, is, wait a minute, what? What? Yeah. Benny, I thought you were calling me. I'm on the phone. Where are you? Like, no, right. it's re- it's really not that bad. But there is like for all of the like stuff like that he can do. Where I and like I feel you, but I've just given up. Like I right. don't have the bandwidth to like. I I just don't. You know why I don't want to fix anything myself? Because if it's fucked up, then I have me. <laughs> That's where I've landed with home repairs, where it's right. like, we will always hire someone to come do it. Because if it's fucked up, I'm like, you fucked up. Come back and fix it. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Guarantee. You know? No work guarantee. Well, that's the thing. When I talked to Chuck about shooting, I'm so far away from shooting a goose. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't own a gun. First off, so I'd have to do all sorts of things to just oh, yeah. to just get oh. that. Then you know you got to go learn how to shoot one, aim it at a and goose. Then, then I got to figure out how the fuck do you what do you do with the dead goose? No idea. Okay. I'm sure you need all sorts of knives and cleaning equipment and skills to get the meat out right. Then you got to like freeze the meat. Like I'm like I'm like 22 steps away from being able to shoot a goose. You know? Yeah, I. It, the thought of shooting something like <laughs> I think of obviously I think, for whatever reason it just comes up more the older I get where it's like more of I don't know what there's like a divergent path in life where like some guys hunt and some guys don't and that's just whatever and I guess luckily I'm friends with both types of people yeah. that's the cool like good friend pool but I, I couldn't in my wildest dreams be like okay I'm gonna go hunt deer this weekend <laughs> I know. Yeah. Because the, I know, yeah. the thing for me is like, because why? Right. That's where I don't get right, to. Right, right. And like, it's just yeah. different shit where I'm like, I don't know. I went running four miles this morning and yeah. a lot of people be like, why? If you have like, no nostalgia for it, yeah, like, picking like it's it just, up as an adult is is a much different task. Like, yeah. yeah that's the thing. And that you know what we did on Saturday at my house? Like, like we watched movies. That was like Saturday. They're like, go out. No, 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 no. We're watching, you yeah. know, uh, Big is on TNT. You know, that's how oh, I commercials know how to and all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. 
<laughs> but I do believe we had it on VHS as well. Um, well, speaking of domiciles and where to live, you know, I know you did a short run in the, you know, Northeast. What? How long? Three years? It was, let's see. I think we were there for five, maybe. Let me see. Okay. So, yeah, so like you had 2013 some... through two, that's four, so three or four years. Decent yeah. run. Decent yeah. run. But, you know, you're a little mouthy about New Jersey in the Northeast. You got some things to say. I, I mean, I love New Jersey. I feel like it is basically Florida with snow because <laughs> for everyone that's like, I oh, can't believe you live in Florida. I'm like, all oh, you motherfuckers just move here when you get old anyway. So it's the same thing. It's, it's like, true. My father lives in Florida. See? Yeah. Um, also <laughs> Long Island, same thing. Long yeah. Island and Jersey just come to South Florida and just make a weird pool of like cranky conservative and liberal people that argue all the time. Um, <laughs> so that like that, I think that's why I love New Jersey to some extent is because I feel very comfortable there because if you're along the coast, it's great. And as soon as you drive inland, there's just Confederate flags everywhere. And it's horrifying. And I don't yeah. think people realize that so much about pretty much every state in the country is that as soon as you get away from the cities, that's what it's like. So, that's right. um, but I, well, I don't ever want to be cold again. I don't like it. Um, right. I don't think it's necessary. <laughs> I, uh, living somewhere where it's not cold that much. I'm like far prefer this. What's that. your <laughs> response to the, to the seasons argument? I don't care. Like, it, so here's, I mean, my, Basic response is there's only two now. Yeah, well, I mean, that's true. Yeah, that's Like falls maybe a month long and springs maybe a month long. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm in spring right now, actually. Yeah, like you get... It's, it's like, like hey. yeah, it's like 45, so I'm like, it's spring because in about two weeks, it's going to be 90. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like living in Brooklyn, the summer's fucking worse there than it is in Florida because you're just in a giant oven for the most part. Like there's no grass, there's no anything, so... People are like, oh, it's so hot in Florida. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't have to take the train. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. I don't have to, like, be outside in between 8 million buildings that are radiating heat and then having the concrete radiate heat and all that. So it's not like I don't live in a place with roads. But, <laughs> and, um, you know, like, there there are a lot of after doing it where I'm like, I feel like the negatives and positives aren't um, aren't really evening out for me. And I'm just not, like... I'm not a seasonal guy. I, I don't I I don't like gray. That's another big problem for me. I can do mm. the cold without the gray. The gray is not my thing. But I mean, like culturally to me, like, you know, you don't suffer fools lightly. You're a quick talker. You wear black baseball caps. Like you got a little bit of our thing going on, you know? Like- I mean, I th- okay, so here's what I definitely miss about living up there. Yeah is you can just walk up to somebody that has done something that irritates you and tell them to eat shit and die and go about your business. And their response is like, yeah, fuck you too. And that's it. Yeah. There's no fight. Yeah. No No, stand your ground laws where you're all of a sudden dueling in front of a Costco or something like it doesn't last any more than the five seconds of for either party. They're just like, yeah, fuck you too. And then everyone's too busy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone's too busy to fight, which I (laughs) appreciate. And that's greatly miss that about because without like, I think it is very distinct to that um, area. Like people don't know how to take that. Um, 
anywhere else. And it's made it definitely not on the West Coast. That's no. No, you terrify people on the So passive aggressive. Oh, they oh my get God. so scared yeah. if you do anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm just angry. Like, Yeah, I'm telling you how I feel. And Sorry. I'm done now. Like, and that's, yeah, I think yeah, that's, now we're done. Yeah, I don't hate you. No. That was it. Yeah, I know. I know. And all of a sudden you get a call like a month later. You're like, wait, what? We're still yeah. talking about this? Oh, no, I forgot. I even like, yeah. what? Exactly. So that, that, yeah. that is the biggest... Uh, that's the biggest thing I miss about up there is being able to just like, you know, someone cuts you off when you're walking, you can just scream at them, throw your fucking drink at them, whatever. They give you the finger and pretend like they're going to turn around and everyone just keeps, you know, well, no one even looks like, oh, just, no, <laughs> no. like, you don't give a shit. You don't give a shit. Um, I mean, well, your, your old buddy from census fail, Heath Saraceno, who, uh, who, I don't know if you know this, Heath and I are from the same town. We didn't know each I did other. Not know we, that. we didn't know each other as children. I think we met as adults, but we are both from Somerville, New Jersey. Mid Jersey. Beautiful. Excuse me. It's called Central Jersey. <laughs> Mid Jersey. What is that? Um, but he says that uh there's a couple pet peeves you have about us, which is one saying that New Jersey is the best pizza in America, which I mean, not even a fucking argument, clearly is. And apparently you have an issue with uh with us saying things like mozzarella and got oh, the Yeah, I fuck can't take it. Like I can't take it. Why? I, I don't what's why does it have to be that way, I guess? <laughs> well, but that's like asking like that's like going down to like the Creole South and just being like, why the fuck are you people talking like that? Like it's mean. It's just how people talk, man. Yeah, I mean it, yeah, it definitely made me insane. I like I had to give Heath a pass because that dude is so pumped on like good tasting food that yes. I can't, you know. I, I appreciate that, but I, I think that it it would wear on me when I'm like, you're not this guy's not Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, the lack of a, it's hard to understand. It's like uh, what are the rolls, the sausage rolls, whatever they are, the weird buns with. Pork rolls? Is that the oh, thing? Oh, pork rolls, sure. I, what the fuck is that? Oh, what, the Taylor ham versus pork yeah, roll debate? Oh, God, that's yeah. a whole thing. Yeah, it's I'm a, just like, yeah, they're both gross. I don't know. <laughs> no, well, here's the misconception, which is they're the same thing. That's that's what drives me nuts about this. Like it, Taylor is the company, and they made Taylor ham, It's a, and it was pork roll, and then other people. So it's all pork roll. And just this one company, Taylor, made their own pork roll. So the whole Taylor ham thing is, listen, don't get me started on South Jersey, okay? You know, I, I prefer, I'd rather go to, I'd rather go to the middle of Georgia than I would. South Jersey's weird. We played one, sh- Census played one show in Cape May, I think. And I was oh. like, this is fucking wild down here. Cape May is bizarre. I mean, that's the suicide capital of New Jersey. Which says something since it's like, Close to the water. Well, I mean, it's because <laughs> like, like you're literally marooned for like eight months out of the year. No one comes yeah, to see you. So if, if you live down there off season, it's a pretty, it's, it's tough. You know, if, if you're not really into fishing or you have a job down there or something like it can get gloomy and long and strange. So I can kind of see where it happens. But I mean, all this being said, 
you have like one of the closest relationships ever with a band from New Jersey. Um, in quotes from uh, our mutual friend, Kate Hiltz. She said that you two have been working on band unity for decades now, making uh, Hot Water Music and Souls into one band. Apparently, the turning point was Australia, New Zealand, 2010, when you became one unit. Hotels were not divided by band or crew, but instead family pods. Uh, you and Kate were the faculty lounge. Is that this is right? true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, we... Like, for a long time, people were like, you guys should tour with the Souls. You guys would get along. You're like the same band, but different kind of thing. (laughs) Um, And like, which was odd for us because they were such a, like, uh, part of the like early Epitaph, early Warp Tour scene. Not like early, early Epitaph, but like, you know, they're out there with the the Punky Buds and Mm -hmm. the Punky Buds never really liked this. We were always the Mohawk. more bouncing souls are Mohawk adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. We Mohawks don't never did, never don't still don't like yeah. us. Don't give uh we're much more like hardcore button down adjacent than, yeah, right. than that. So <laughs> right. uh, um but we finally ended up doing some shows together and it went really well. And we, you know, all got along greatly. And that that is actually um a that is true. When we did that tour together, we just shared like crew and hotel rooms and everything. And just kind of like, here's all our gear and we're flying everywhere together. Um, it was a lot of fun. And now we share a drummer. Um, oh, right. So yeah, like we took it to the next level. It, um, it got incestual. It, it did. So it's cool. Like I, I don't, I think that there's, it's really easy to get into. And I mean, fuck, it even happens with us sometimes when we're trying to schedule stuff. Like it's really easy to get like into crappy competition and stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, with band, like it's just natural. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, I got to, you know, and I think that both of us are operating from a place at this stage in our 10 years that we uh, are kind of done with that. I yeah. guess. Right. Like it, not even that we ever had it with each other, but like just in general, like, sure. I don't, it's hard to, uh, I, I can't like look at what someone else is doing and, and worry about it so much because yeah. it's, it's very unique to them. So yeah, I wish that we had more, um, bands like that where when we're hanging out, it's not really, it isn't by like band or whatever. We're all just sort of in this, Oh shit, you guys got to play now kind of thing or whatever. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right, forget right. who's up next. Cause we're just, um, hanging and talking. I think people don't realize, you know, like how I think maybe a lot of years in the, you know, the business, uh, you know, makes you realize that too. Like how hard it is to actually make like real friends It's and how long it takes to actually know that, oh, these are real friends. These are not Mm -hmm. real friends. It takes, takes a long time. It's almost, um, I think harder to determine when you're in and out of these relationships so fast and then. You go into another tour and all of a sudden you're surrounded by 20 new people again. It does something to your brain, right? Like with relationships? It really does. Um, it, like, I think that, I mean, you put it, you, you put it really well that it, it's hard to know who actually is a friend. And that's not in any kind of like, um, people are shady and they're always out kind of way. It's just like a, 
for however long, I mean, we only do weekends now, which makes it easier. But like when you used to do like whatever four week tour or six week tour or something, you're stuck with this group of people for those six weeks. And so that becomes your entire world. Yeah. And then you go home and you maybe not ever talk to any of those people again, ever. Like a dude that you had coffee with every day or whatever person that you had coffee with every day or lunch with every day for six weeks you just never talk to again. Who probably in that six weeks knew some like seriously intimate stuff. Yeah. Like it, you, I can't, you get the, totally. And, and then it just kind of goes away. So it, it definitely puts a weird perspective on a lot of things for folks that um, tour nonstop. And, and it is really hard to tell who's friend and who's not friend because of exactly that. Like there are, I mean, it's obviously worse the older you get, I think, as far as like how many people you talk to all the time or whatever. But right. it, I mean, there's, there are groups of people that I know I could like hit up whenever about anything and not feel weird. And there are definitely people that when you see them hit up, you're like, what the fuck do they want? Yeah. Like, not in a shitty way, just in a like, yeah. What, what's this all about? You know, yeah. kind of thing. Um, so it, it is nice to have actual friends that like, you know, I don't know, like, you know, the friends come to sound check to hang out and then leave before the show starts. That's kind of, (laughs) I mean, that's not a rule across the board, but that's, that's how it is. Cause you know, you can actually talk. Yeah. Right. Like, you know? Yeah. And if you're, if you show up five minutes before the show and sit side stage, you never really wanted to hang. You just wanted to be side stage. Yeah. And like, so there's a lot, I think that's kind of a, you know, when we're in Jersey, like I usually end up going to get food with those dudes or, at sure. least, you know, whatever, like something where it's like, Hey, let's hang out I'm in town. And it doesn't revolve around the shows at all. Like it could be hanging out all day and then, okay, cool. I'm going home. I'm not coming to the show, which right. is like, yeah, totally dude. I wouldn't either. It's bedtime. Like, so I can, <laughs> um, I'm sure you've eaten at Frank's a time or two. Dude, I know so many times. Um, so yeah, it's it's a weird touring is a weird like Peter Pan uh, type lifestyle, and I, you can see what happens when people stop. A lot of times, it's super bad. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. it, it, the the, cr- the crash back down to earth can be a lot harder than people think. So it is. I count myself lucky that we have some like legitimate uh, friends. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part, I've definitely seen it myself where it's like, you know, uh, there is that delineation when you have, I don't know, I've found out in the last five years because I've had very little to offer, you know, like, and anybody who still decides to talk to me right now is probably not in it for much, you know, right? like, like, and, and there's going to be a time when I have something to offer again. And I'm really curious. You know, like who hits, who blows you up and you're like, like oh, oh, there yeah. you are. Nice yeah. to see you back. Okay. You know, but, but it's a strange thing. Cause it, it's made me, I think, uh, a little boxier just in life where like, I used to be the type of person like hard on my sleeve. Like everybody I met knew pretty much fucking half the shit about me. And that is like the exact opposite now. I'm like a fucking mystery um, <laughs> to people. And I think, oh, for sure. Dude. And I think for that sure. had something to do with it. You just like learn to like not give as much of yourself, you know, like, uh, or you give a different part of yourself, like a more casual part of yourself. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I find myself, which kind of sucks, like the, the further down the road we get on this thing, like I'll go a whole weekend of shows and not end up meeting like half of the people in one of the bands or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's never out of like, I don't, any band that's playing with us, we like chose, we like, we're stoked on, you know, until we've learned not to be for some weird reason, if that ever happened, you know, like if they were, Oh my God, these are terrible people. What did yeah, we do? Right, like that right. luckily hasn't happened yet, but some, you know, you never know. Right, habits, habits. Yeah. yeah um, so, but, but it's just like, I am like, I'm doing my day job when we're gone too, to some extent. And then it's like, I don't know, man, I wake up, I get in the show, I do my thing, I load in, I eat lunch. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to kind of like read. And but I don't, the whole like social hard hang aspect of it isn't as exciting to me anymore mm-hmm. with, with um, kind of the like, you know, fire to get, since I don't drink. So that takes about, 70% of the backstage, like hang gone. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. we just did a run of shows with, with Tim Barry and be well. And it's like, I've known most of those people for so long, that it's just like, you just, everyone's just doing whatever. And it's like, cool. See you guys later. Right. And it, yeah. Which is exactly how I like it. It's yeah. like, we're all friends. Like we did. the game. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't say goodbye to me, that means nothing other than nothing. But just like, you're right. already right. in the van, man. It means cool. We'll like, tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. So it, yeah, that's um, funny. But yeah, I, I'm, I feel you on the like kind of keeping keeping things closer to the chest these days because it, it you do get stuck in that weird like I don't I don't know I mean it's you're on when you're on a tour and you have uh, doing big shows and your management and your label and everything this is gonna be you're like you fucking gotta buy in on some level yeah to all that you just right. have to to make it through and then you know. Well, that's the weird balance, right? Is like, how do I get people to invest in us and actually care, you know, but like without making such a personal investment that I have something like emotional at stake, you know? It's tough. Um, it's, It's super tough. And it definitely like, you know, not taking things personally is very, very hard for me. Yeah. And it is like, it's it makes it can make being in a band without even considering the people that listen to your band just within the band dynamic like super difficult sure um so it's it's a tricky road you know but, what's you funny know. doing going off track the last couple years well you know i've been doing it longer than that but um you know booking and scheduling all the guests and stuff and you know in the process of the last 2 years i've hit up dozens of people that I would not have hit up if I didn't want to interview them or need some info about somebody for something. And I think like me having to do that again has made me like care way less when other people have to do it. It's like, there is, there is an element to this thing too, that like, I like your band. I like you. We can sort of mutually do something for each other here. And that's okay too. You know, Yo, like, for sure. Yeah. Like there's like, I never have a problem if someone that I haven't talked to and like, I don't know how long hits me up and is like, dude, can I ask your advice on whatever? I'm like, right. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, they're, they're, it's like, I don't know if it's professional courtesy or however you want to like, yeah. you know, throw it in there, but just kind of like, we are all in this together and without, you know, 
you kind of got to feel like all the band people are on the same team if you're drawing the line in the sand. So it's, you know, it's definitely not on the other team. Exactly. So (laughs) it's, and I mean, there's a lot of people. I also try to keep, um, you know, keep perspective on how many people I fucking punished the shit out of when I was younger. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Like, me, I'm like so me. sorry to all of you. Like, oh, oh my man. God. I have been fucking full on ear blood. Like, I can't imagine. I got so every, many people. Everyone in Jawbox, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah. it just, you, unreasonable shit from an adult. But, yeah. like, you know. yeah, like, I know I, like, I hadn't showered in three days, eaten nothing, yeah, just, but yeah, like. Hey, what did you just pull out? You just got out of the van of the show, right? Yeah. So you're totally down to talk. Like, cool. Oh my God. Anyway. Why does this guy smell <laughs> so much like parliaments and sunflower seeds? I can't Dude, fucking tell. No it. doubt. How was this kid at the show before us? Like, <laughs> All right. So we're going on an hour and a half. So I'm going to finish with this question, Jason. Cool. Uh, is it important to you? to keep a nice clean shave in this sea of beards you find yourself in. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so I'm still, I kind of have pretty longish sideburns now. Um, okay. Like little, like a, I don't know, like a fucking Wolverine kind of crap or whatever, sure. but trimmed. Same shape. I have, Yes, and it always has been, minus my like weird neck beard days back in the nineties. But that that's like I mean, every hardcore kid had that shit, so whatever. The chin strap was the deal. Yeah, um, I had one. Yeah, see that's it's just I do this now and I have earrings. Yeah. Here right. I am. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, Hi, I'm counterculture. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, I this is this is totally just me because I'm like apparently the most superficial human in the world. <laughs> like, can't take it after January 6th. I could never fucking grow a beard again. Ever, oh, ever, dude, ever, know, ever, ever. I know. I just looked at that and I was like, okay, yeah. so I don't know if we're going to make camo shirts ever again. That's and, right. That's and, right. and no more beards, and which sucks. But it's officially, just, it, come on, it's officially the school shooter goatee. And it, yes, and it's like I so I, I'm not gonna judge anyone for having one because oh, obviously I, a I, lot of people. I mean, 50 percent of my band has a beard, you know, <laughs> and I'm it, well, even more. It's 66.6, I guess. Um, but it's, but I uh, yeah, I can't do it. It's it's like I when I, <laughs> so I look at people, I'm like, okay, big truck. It's not dirty. His sunglasses are on the back of his head, oh. <laughs> you know, uh, flip flops uh-huh. and jeans. Uh-huh. All right, we're not friends. No. Like, they, they, yeah. I mean, that's a Florida specific type thing, but it's like somehow those white dudes have a like couple uniforms, and you're pretty much fucking dead on. If you like, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not, that guy's no good. Like, so you can just, yeah, um, I don't feel bad for that line. It's like the exact same reason. I have long hair and wear black jeans. It's so I go to a place and you know exactly who the fuck I am. And they do the same thing. Like they know the uniform, like, and they know what they're trying to project. Like it's and like more power to the folks that like, just don't give a shit. And they're like, I don't know, dude, I've been wearing this for 40 years. I'm not going to stop now. I'm like, you know what made like awesome, but I can't like, yeah, the clean shave is, it's always been kind of important to me anyway, just because I've never really, 
if I were to grow a beard, it would have to have like, there would have to be a program to it. It's like, <laughs> right, right. It, it, this is how it looks and this is the way it's supposed to be. And it should be this length on the beard trimmer and all mm-hmm. this sort of shit. Like You'd I couldn't just have a very well-kempt situation. Yeah. I couldn't just go, or I would just be totally wild. But like the weird in-between thing where it's like, I'm like, I don't know what you do. Just cut that with scissors today. Yeah. Like, right. Like, so you'd be like a beard comb, beard oil kind of guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. I did. Right. I did maybe 10 years ago now, kind of grow my beard out for a while and it was definitely beard oil, beard comb. <laughs> and then I also, you know, full disclosure, have a weird spot where it just doesn't grow. Oh. So there's like a weird, just like skin patch. Yep. yep. Um, you know, so that kind of looks stupid too. <laughs> well, you it know. makes sense. But listen, it it's needed, you know, because if you guys had these press photos for years, just like four scraggly beards, you know, eh, come on. I, I like that little... That little uh, shining light, you know, usually usually one in from the outside, that one shining light. (laughs) I'm so happy with George letting his hair grow. Oh, I know. He's had it in a ponytail a couple of times now, too. I'm like, dude, yes. Like, just get it out. He's looking majestic. He's looking It's great. Like, lean into the metal, dude. He doesn't even. And I get the impression it's a very, very dark, dark hair. Does I and George doesn't strike me as the type who would dye his head. Oh no, that's this like that's like a natural, yeah, Portuguese mane, dude. Yeah, that dude that's will, right. That's right. It's, it's a real Portuguese mane. Yeah, he calls it, he calls it a two head because it's like all the distance between his eyebrows and his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little Eddie Munster going on. Oh, there. bless that man. Bless that man. Yeah. All right, Jason. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, you have a absolutely, good time, man. Yeah, it did. Thanks good. for having me. We talked a lot about shooting geese. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yeah, that was a good one. It was. That was a good one. I'm fucked with these geese, huh? 
Ugh, dude. I don't I'm shit out of luck. I you should check because I don't I mean, maybe out where Chuck is, it's okay. I just somebody told me at one because well, up in Vermont, we had a problem with geese at this house that we were staying at. And um and they told us that, yeah, you can't kill them. Oh, dude, I'm not shooting a goose. This is, I know, I know. It's not I know. in the cards. Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> I just, that. <laughs> in case you were thinking of getting somebody else to come shoot them. Listen, if it's going to happen, I'm not saying me killing a goose is out of the cards, but it would be a crime of passion if it happened. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it would either be like me coming home from a really terrible day and just finding them like on my deck. Right, right. You know, and just be right. get out of here. Or yeah. one time when I was in Hawaii, uh, we stayed on this beautiful piece of property, and there was a couple geese there who really thought it was their property. Yeah. And you know, I I'd never dealt with Hawaiian geese like this. They were they were badasses, you know. <laughs> and at one point, it was like a night. I had I think I'd gone out in the middle of the night to have a smoke or something, and they were out there like in the dusk and I could see him and it was creepy. And no, it was like, it was before night. It was before night. But um, anyway, I saw him and I kind of decided, I'm like, you know what? I'm sick of fucking tiptoeing around these geese. You know, like, like, like I paid good money for this land. Like, Hell yeah. <laughs> and then, dude, I'm I'm trying to like be a little more chesty with them. One of them just fucking jets right at me. Yeah. Bah, yeah. Bah, and I'm like, ah! And of course, my, I I folded. I folded under the pressure of this dude. <laughs> I fucking tore ass the other way. I'm like, oh my God, geese chase you? And, dude, do you want to know something yeah. funny? Do you know, you probably will never guess. Do you know what their, their uh, most dangerous weapon is? Uh, wait, let me think about it. I mean, I obviously beak cause they peck would be the, but the, it's not, a. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's like their ass. Like, did they just toss their, <laughs> toss their weight into you like that? No, supposedly their wings are so strong that they could break uh, your arm if they uh, hit you with a wing. I believe Which, it. Which knowing that birds have hollow bones, I, I, it sounds odd, but that's what, yeah, that's what somebody, some farmer told me at one point. I mean, you get close when. to them. They're, those are thick necks. Very, very thick necks. They can be really mean too. They yeah. can, they can be aggressive. Well, I'm going to figure this. I like this. Uh, Chuck gave me a great idea. I think I can maybe funnel them another way. That's, that's what I'm going for now. I think I can maybe put up a little fencing and funnel them a way I would like. So that's going to be oh. my, my next try before we start, before we start blowing their fucking brains up. <laughs> That's next. I'll call uh, Neil. Uh, Let's get Neil over here. Yeah. <laughs> get Neil in the middle. Neil, take a trip to Jersey. Shoot some geese for me. Oh, dude, he would do it in heartbeat. You I don't know. It's like you said, <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know. I can't cross state lines and shoot a goose, you know? <laughs> yeah, that some might weird, be a problem. Weird fucking rules. <laughs> but anyway, um, appreciate Jason Black coming on. Yes. One of the uh one of the legends, all time legends of the thing. And yeah. you know, someone who I don't think uh also doesn't in a Lars Ulrich sort of way, maybe doesn't get the credit he deserves for like running, you know, he doesn't run hot water music, but he's he's one of the dudes, you know, and like he has a lot to say about what happens in that band and they've made good decisions and done cool shit their whole career and Congratulations to the boys for making it 25 years, you know? Absolutely. Like, yeah. That's a, a heck of a 
heck of a thing. And I know I've told the story before about the first time I saw Hot Water Music. I talked about it in the Chuck interview, but changed my life. Always love him. I'll always love him. Even I've never read that Bukowski book. Have you? No, I haven't. I'm not a big Bukowski guy. You? I don't think I've read any Bukowski. Yeah. No. You always seem to me. You know what I always rejected? Is like if if every like 19-year-old punk rocket in college (laughs) has a book by a certain author, I'm not fucking reading it. Yeah, well, it's like it's like Titanic. It's like how about nineteen-year-old right. punk rock kid in art school, which was me, and I was definitely being that book was Bukowski was definitely in the mix, but I just I don't recall actually falling prey to the mm. peer pressure to choke it down. Was he but, technically a beat writer, or he was after? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I did read me some Jim Carroll, who was like a big uh, Bukowski fan, right? Wasn't that like... Not sure if he was a Bukowski fan, but I did read The Basketball Diaries in in about 12 hours once. It's a beautiful, beautiful book to read. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Shout out to Jim Carroll. True artist. True artist. Oh, yeah. So uh, you got some socials for Hot Water? Well, you can find Hot Water Music at any place that you get your socials. Hot Water Music Official on Instagram and Hot Water Music on Twitter. And for you Facebook fans out there, Hot Water Music. Check it out. I love when you do Radio Guy voice. (laughs) It's the best. And thanks to, uh, to my friends from the Rolodex for providing me with great information. This would be Kate Hiltz. George Rebello, Chuck Reagan, Heath Saracino, and Phil Battiato. That nice. was the crew I used. Nice. I love it. That's some A-listers there, man. I know. <laughs> some, you know, sometimes I, uh, I even impress myself with who I can text thing. sometimes, you know? I'm like, nice. I'm just a drummer, you know? I'm, a, I'm amazed people even answer my texts at this point. It's, it blows <laughs> my mind, honestly. Um, if you're still listening, you're obviously a big fan of the show. So Huge. if you want to be a patron, mm-hmm. you can hop on over to patreon.com slash going off track and uh, join one of our tiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be chatting with our patrons on Thursday night via the Discord. Um, Apologize to the patrons. I was, I, I passed out last week. <laughs> Is that what happened? Yeah, I don't know if you noticed from about <laughs> like nine thirty to ten, I was quiet. I woke up at ten with a laptop on my lap. <laughs> to be like, oh, okay, guys, I gotta go. So my bad about last week. I'll have a tea. I'll have a tea next time. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Patreons. I I, I work hard out. all day. I I go the Chuck Reagan school of work. Just. Grind your knuckles down all day till you just fall asleep. There's no going to sleep, only falling asleep, you know? No. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> Be a little more lively this week. And uh, right. yeah, if you leave a review, please uh, leave one about Brad's silk boxers and the way that makes you feel on the inside and outside. And uh, do five stars or no stars at all. And uh I don't know. And also, you know, a lot going on in the world this week. And I want everybody to to love everybody around them. Remember what's important and take care of your people, you know? 